This ADN Politics Podcast is brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible. From the Anchorage Daily News, this is ADN Politics, a podcast navigating Alaska's changing and sometimes wild political landscape. I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. This week, the Anchorage School District announced it is considering shutting down six elementary schools, the result of a budget crisis hitting not just Anchorage, but districts across the state. Here's Anchorage School Superintendent Jarrett Bryant talking about the closures before a board meeting this week. Today's two-hour work session will focus on proposed campus closures. This is an incredibly emotional and painful topic for our community to hear especially after the immense strain put on our community due to the pandemic. Today, we're talking to two Daily News reporters, education reporter Morgan Krakow about the Anchorage School District's closure plan, and politics reporter Sean McGuire about how we got here and what other school districts across the state are facing. We're going to start off with Morgan Krakow. Morgan, first off, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I want to start with the big basic question that's on a lot of people's minds this week in Anchorage. Why is the Anchorage School District recommending closing elementary schools? There are a bunch of reasons for that deficit. The first is the district says that education is not really being fully funded right now from the state. There's this per student allocation that state funds. It's called the base student allocation. And for years, that funding has stayed flat, which means it hasn't increased except for a small $30 increase last year. It hasn't stayed up with inflation. And it's gotten more expensive to educate students in the district. According to administrators, they say that the BSA just really hasn't kept up with that. They've been able to plug some budget holes using federal pandemic funding that's been sort of given to different districts all around the country. But going into next year, they're not going to have that option available. Those funds have essentially expired for the most part. And so now they're facing this budget deficit. It's, yeah, around $68 million, and they're going to need to make cuts in, in a variety of different places. Which elementary schools are they considering closing, and what should we know about those schools? Yeah, so there's six elementary schools. They're located geographically all around the Anchorage area. There's two in Northeast Anchorage. There's one in the Chugiak slash Eagle River area. There's one in West Anchorage. There's a couple in South Anchorage. It's Abbott Loop Elementary, Birchwood Elementary, Clatt Elementary, Northwood, Nunaka Valley, and Wonder Park Elementary. All but one of those schools are considered Title I schools, which means Many of the students who attend those schools come from lower-income families. Many of them qualify for free and reduced lunch. Additionally, the district kind of honed in on these schools for potential closure for a few specific factors, including the fact that they're underutilized, which means the buildings were designed to hold a much higher capacity of students than currently attend there. So many of the schools that they listed are only sitting at around a 65 percent capacity. One school, though, Clat, is at a, a 92 percent capacity, but it's a quite a small elementary school, so administrators felt like those students could be dispersed to other, other schools in the area more easily. Why close schools, though? I mean, there's other ways for the school district to save money, right? 
I think there's a variety of reasons the district is looking at closing schools. I think, and it's not the only option they're considering. You know, they're going through this budget process and they're presenting sort of all the things that cost the district money from uh, language immersion programs to renting out the dome for spring and winter conditioning for high school sports. But I think what the district's point on the school closure is they've They've done some recent surveys. They had around 3,000 respondents. And what they found was that people said that they wanted school closures. The district has lost 5,000 students in the last 10 years. So enrollment is down. And also, administrators are arguing that beyond um, just closing a school, there can be some, and saving money from that, there can be some real added efficiencies and student services when students go to a somewhat larger school. That's their perspective. That means currently there might be some specialists like, say, an occupational therapist, a counselor, a speech-language pathologist, and those those specialists might be kind of bouncing between different elementary schools right now. They don't necessarily have a home base. When there's fewer schools, there might be specialists who can stay longer at that school, be more available to those students throughout the day. And so the district's perspective is there might be more services available to those students. The school district is only considering closing these schools at this point, though, right? Like, what's going to happen before they make that final decision? Recently, when they made all these closure recommendations, they were really clear that they wanted parent and staff feedback and community feedback. So they're going to host a variety of you know, information sessions. They'll have a town hall at every school that's being recommended for closure. It'll be both virtual and in person. They'll also have a staff meeting. They're going to do an additional survey in the community that's, I think, supposed to be somewhat more specific about these schools. And then in addition to that, they're going to have to decide in December about this. And it's really going to come down to the school board's decision on which schools will end up closing and or if any do. Um, I think what was interesting to me, at least, is the consultant that the district has hired to close schools is someone who's worked throughout the West, essentially closing schools for different districts. Quite a job. Seriously. And he was really clear at the meeting where they described these closure recommendations that he wanted to hear from parents. And in the past, he had changed recommendations or modified plans based on parent feedback. So it does seem like there's a lot of opportunity for people to, to give their input into the, to the district. Are you hearing anything so far from parents or teachers about how they're feeling about all this? So this news just came out. People are going to need to process it, talk to their kids about it. Staff are going to need to understand what it means for them. I've talked to a few people and heard from some folks just about some initial shock and and heartbreak around these potential closures. I think we're going to see a lot more of that in the coming weeks. And I would expect there to be a lot of emotion around this issue. Have you heard from any specific parents so far? And just what are what are those initial thoughts if you've heard from them? Just after the decision, I spoke to a parent who was an alumni of a school and her child goes there right now. And yeah, she just was really devastated. You know, she described seeing kids in her neighborhood walk to this school and how much of a community fixture the school really is to people who live in her neighborhood and how sad it will be to see it go. Losing Northwood 
kids are going to have to be bused out of their neighborhoods. They're not going to be able to walk to school anymore. They're not going to be able to really have that experience because, you know, the nearest schools are out of their neighborhood. She was really, really emotional. And I think I think that's probably how a lot of people are feeling right now amid, amid this news. Yeah. How about like local leaders or public officials? Are they chiming in at this point? Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing this um, even before these closure announcements were made, this kind of, you know, melt or fall into the political realm. And I think definitely there are a variety of people who are either running for office or local leaders that have been really outspoken on this issue. I guess I want to clear up a point where I'm a little confused. You recently reported the school district got a not insignificant amount of money, some $100 million from the legislature this year. How does that square with this pretty radical step of shutting down whole schools because of this giant budget hole? Those two things are not unrelated, for sure. Earlier this year, the legislature decided to reimburse school districts and communities for their school bond debt, which is something they hadn't been doing for several years. But when oil prices rose a bit, they decided to give out some school bond debt reimbursement packages to school districts around the state. The Anchorage School District received around $100 million um, in that package. At the same time, Anchorage School District's most recent bond measure, which was on the ballot earlier this year, it was around $112 million, that failed. So the district had all of these capital needs that needed taken care of. So that was leaky roofs, boiler system replacements, you know, security upgrades at elementary schools. And they felt like the board ultimately decided that those needs were still there. So they used a lot of that $100 million to go towards those capital needs. There's still about $37 million that's yet to be spent or decided on. Some people think that remaining 37 or so million dollars could be used to soften the impacts of next year's budget deficit. There's some community pressure to use it to rebuild an elementary school that was part of the earlier failed bond measure. And I think the district and the school board is really waiting um, until December to make some of those decisions. Going back to the school closure specifically, what is going to happen to the students and the teachers at those schools? Does the district have a plan there for those folks? Yeah, the district has been saying for a while that they're going to try to put staff who work there into other schools as much as possible. They also have a pretty clear plan for where they want students who are attending these schools that are being recommended for closure where they would go next year. And this is a pretty dramatic step, however, closing multiple schools. How far does this actually go toward fixing the school district's structural budget problems going forward? The district has this $550 million-ish operating budget. They have a $68 million budget deficit that they need to uh, take care of this year. Closing these schools would only make up for about 3 to $4 million, according to the district's wow. financial officer. Yeah, so it's really 5% of this overall chunk that they need to make up for. And I think what we've seen um, throughout this budget process is the district is really going to have to make a lot of pretty painful and difficult decisions going forward. So certainly school closures are a part of it, but in the sort of grand scheme of things, there's a lot of other challenging, hard decisions ahead. 
I want to touch on something else you've been reporting on. The Anchorage School District is also dealing with a big challenge having to do with there's not enough school bus drivers. And so different groups of students and their families have been going without buses for weeks at a time on this rotating basis this school year. Is that related to this budget crisis? So the budget crisis is really something that is a next year problem they're dealing with right now. School bus driver shortage is a is a right now problem. Since the start of the school year, families have been without bus service for about six weeks, and then they receive bus service for around three weeks. And I think what stands out to me is that uh, the bus driver shortage is perhaps a result of a workforce shortage in some ways. Maybe bus drivers make a little bit more money working in the private sector, whether it be the tourism industry or something else. But really what it seems to come down to is not having a way to get your student to school is really stressful. It's really exhausting, um, especially after two years of really acute impacts to education during the pandemic. And that being really hard on families and really frustrating, I think, for a lot of students and teachers as well. And then going into this school year when, you know, a lot of people have to start work before their kids start school and get off after the kid gets off school. And they have always relied on a bus to get their kid to and from school. And suddenly for a month and a half, not having that option, that is really hard on a lot of families. And I think that combined with the potential closure of schools, with the potential closure of certain or cuts to certain programs, you know, it just is it seems to be leading to this real sense of, of exhaustion, frustration, and, and sadness. Yeah, it's a lot for families to deal with in Anchorage lately. It really is. Well, thank you, Morgan, so much for taking the time to talk to us today. I will let you get back to reporting. Thanks so much. Before we shift gears and talk to reporter Sean McGuire for the statewide view of things, we're going to take a quick break. At Steam.Coffee, we're proud to support great journalism and we're proud of our pursuit of great coffee. We search the world for the finest raw materials and then roast them to perfection at our Anchorage headquarters. All with one thing in mind, the finest coffee possible in your cup. Come visit us at either of our Anchorage cafes or online at steamdot.com. We're back and we're joined by ADN politics reporter Sean McGuire. Sean, thanks so much for being here. Thank you. You are one of our state politics reporters, and I was just wondering if you could step back a little more. This budget crunch isn't just an Anchorage schools issue, right? That's right. So we've seen a budget crunch across Alaska. I was talking to school district superintendents who were saying the years of flat funding from the state, uh, coupled with high inflation and high energy costs, had caused uh, their budgets to be squeezed. It's made for some tough decisions coming up for them. And uh, there has been federal coronavirus funding, which is still available in some instances. But in a lot of instances, that's been tied to a specific purpose like coronavirus mitigation. It's also set to expire in 2023 or 2024. So I've heard that referred to as a fiscal cliff approaching for a lot of these districts. It's kind of been a Band-Aid covering a wound, which is now, as we're seeing, opening uh, across Alaska. So yes, this budget crunch is not just in Anchorage, but it's not quite as dramatic as we've seen uh, in Anchorage with the potential for these school closures. When news broke about the Anchorage School District's plan to close these six elementary schools, what was the reaction from Alaska politicians? So it's pretty immediate because it 
the news dropped exactly three weeks before election day. So it dropped right in the middle of a gubernatorial race. So former independent governor Bill Walker, who's running for a second term, he said, this is Dunleavy's Alaska. His running mate, Heidi Drygas, said something similar. Democratic candidate Lascara, a former state legislator, was very frustrated as well, calling out the governor. We saw left-leaning legislators posting on social media their frustration with this. So it quickly became a, uh, a big issue inside uh, the election season. It had already been, but I think it's going to be a major issue going forward over the next few weeks. And so they were all calling out Governor Dunleavy in particular. What, what was his response to that? So I reached out to his campaign and they sent me back a statement which says, the proposed actions are unfortunate news for students, parents and teachers under our constitutional requirement for maximum local control. It is ultimately up to Anchorage administrators, elected officials and the voters to determine the best course of action for Anchorage schools. The fiscal issues the Anchorage school district must address didn't develop overnight and they won't be solved overnight. What won't solve the issue are cynical and opportunistic attempts at political point scoring, which seems to be a direct retort to Gara and Walker's strong statements against the governor. So let's maybe move a little bit beyond all that finger pointing. Can you talk me through the backstory on how Alaska schools ended up in this situation? The issue is that the base student allocation, now that's the per student funding formula, that has really not been risen very much over the past few years. From 2011 to 2021, Alaska's urban consumer price index rose by 17.8%, but the BSA only increased by 4.4% over the same period. Now, to break that down, basically, inflation goes up, costs go up, but the amount of funding going to each school district has not increased at the same pace, meaning school districts have effectively quite a lot less money than they would a few years ago. Coupled with that are high energy costs. So in rural Alaska and Western Alaska, they had to order their fuel, their heating fuel months in advance to ensure that gets barged up in time for winter. So I was speaking to a superintendent out at the lower Yukon school district, and he had to buy fuel at peak prices. And he was estimating that would add a million dollars to the school district's budget. So you have years of flat funding or mostly flat funding uh, coupled with high energy costs Basically, school districts are saying that their budgets are being squeezed because of that. But this past year, oil prices spiked and we all got these big permanent fund dividend checks. Couldn't the surge in oil revenues go towards school funding for districts that are struggling as well? It did in some ways. Uh, the legislature approved $57 million in one-time school funding outside this school funding formula. I was speaking to education advocates who were saying that one-time funding would help, but the issue is that there is not a consistent or predictable source of funding that we've seen in uh, in the state. It hasn't been increasing with inflation. So the legislature could have increased school funding, and there were debates about doing that. But ultimately, there was only a very small increase, a very modest increase to school funding approved earlier this year. And that was part of a broader discussion about reading intervention programs, about early education. So that was weaved into that bill. There wasn't really a big substantial increase to school funding from this oil spike. It was determined by the legislature, by the governor, that that surge in oil revenue should really go out in the form of permanent fund dividend checks, effectively. You talked to other school districts around the state. You've sort of touched on this earlier. 
um, beyond Anchorage. What are they dealing with in this budget crunch situation? I spoke to quite a few of them, and the message I was getting is that they're really just tightening their belts, they're streamlining. For instance, the Alaska Gateway School District out in Toke, it educates around 400 students. They have used federal funding to hire mental health counsellors and special education aides, which are a first for the district. And the superintendent there was saying because of the end of federal funding and concerns over flat funding, those positions would either have to be eliminated or be scaled back. And that was kind of a trend I was seeing across districts. Because of these years of flat funding, they're effectively having to do more with less. So we're not seeing as dramatic a situation in Anchorage where you see schools on the chopping block. What you are seeing is budgets getting tightened. You're seeing a lot of the positions like mental health counsellors, special education aides being shared across schools or eliminated. There's really a tightening of the belt uh, across Alaska is what is what I'm hearing from um, school districts and from uh, teachers unions. What's next now? Is there a scenario where the legislature and the governor next year figure out a way to get more funding to Alaska schools? This is going to be a big point of discussion during the next legislative session. And the potential for the schools in Anchorage to close, I think, is going to really turbocharge this debate. The legislature talked about it earlier in the year. They passed the Alaska Reads Act, which the governor, Governor Mike Dunleavy, had advocated for. It includes these reading intervention programs and includes this early education piece. And we're going to have to see uh, what impact that makes. It's just being launched now. So we really don't know if that's going to make a really big difference when it comes to Alaska's education outcomes. Now, generally, if I really want to simplify the issue, conservatives have typically said that school funding should not increase unless there is a measurable improvement in Alaska's education outcomes. And more left-leaning legislators have said that the districts, the schools cannot improve their outcomes unless they have more funding. So you've kind of got this big push and pull between trying to improve outcomes, trying to increase funding, and we're going to have to see what happens when the legislature reconvenes and debates with the governor, whoever that is. It definitely will be a big topic of debate. Coupled with that is the question of whether teachers should be getting a defined benefit scheme. This is something that the legislature ended back in 2006. So it was this multi-billion dollar unfunded liability. There was concerns over rising costs. So for the last 15, 16 years, there hasn't been a very generous uh, retirement plan for teachers. And that has been cited as a reason for retention and recruitment problems for educators across Alaska. So I think, again, coupled with that, that's going to be a big debate. I think we're going to see conservatives saying that districts need to tighten their belts, work out ways to allocate the funding they have more effectively. You're going to hear discussions about declining enrollment across districts like Anchorage. In Fairbanks, there's been declining enrollment. We saw three elementary schools close in Fairbanks recently. I think you're going to have discussions about that, about declining enrollment. You're going to have discussions about using funding more effectively. And then you're going to hear the more left-leaning legislators say that they need more funding to be able to deliver the level of quality public education that Alaskans expect. Well, on that note, Sean, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to ADN Politics. You can subscribe to the show in whichever podcast app you're listening to right now. 
You can keep up with the rest of our coverage on ADN.com. And you can subscribe to ADN there, which is the best way to support our work, including this show. Thanks to our guests today, ADN reporters Morgan Krakow and Sean McGuire. This episode was produced with help from Zachariah Hughes and Evan Phillips. Our music is by Evan Phillips. David Hewlin is our editor. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Harbaugh. See you next week. Thanks for listening. This episode of ADN Politics was brought to you by Steam.Coffee, where we source, roast, and present the finest coffees possible.